Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. We went to Hawaii and spent um, time where I'm from, where my family, uh, doing a lot of legal stuff called fireworks. Yeah, so it's just stressful. But uh, we're very charged up, and we pray that you guys were charged up. And there's nothing like um, going into a new year when you're exhausted. If you're exhausted and tired, then we pray for you, and we really want you to rest. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit about that today. But if you do have your Bibles, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 14. It's a similar story to what Phoebe just read. But before that, I want to throw it back a little bit. Is that cool? As I was looking at our year, we're looking at some old pictures. And the year was 1997. Don't show it yet. The year was 1997, and I graduated Bible College in Los Angeles. I met Trish. She didn't go to that, that, that school. I met her, and uh, she decided to move to San Diego. So I came to visit Trish at San Diego. She finished up her degree at UCSD, and I walked around my backpack at UCSD thinking, like, yeah, well, I go to the school. I go to the school. That's right. Just kidding. Um, we fell in love with San Diego. I would come and visit her on the weekend. She had some roommates down in PB, right down, right down the street, and that was over like 25 years ago. Who knew that we would get married here, and then we would plant a church right where we started here in, in uh, PB. So that was really cool. Here's a picture. Now I'll show the picture. There we go. Young Drew and Trish. Oh, man, no, no stripe, no streak in my hair, no gray hair. But anyway, old school. We kind of found that. You like that picture? I think, that's like a, I think that is 1997 at a New Year's party. No fireworks at those parties here. But anyways, okay, you can turn it down. What you guys might remember in 1997 is that we lost the notorious B.I.G. We lost Princess Diana. Right? And some of you ladies know, or in the fashion world, we lost a very famous uh, Gianna Versace. Is that Trish? Trish told me that. We lost. I didn't know that was even a person. <laughs> so, okay, we lost her too. Um, and then in, uh, in other news that you may not know, which gets to my message, is that a man named Edwin Friedman uh, wrote a few books on leadership. And he was a family systems therapist and researcher and wrote a couple books. And his writings became very well known in leadership. He became an advisor to the White House and heads of state. And he talked about like um, family uh, system relations that, you know, um, a system, whatever kind of system it is, whether it's church system, uh, political system, family system, or environment, right, all depends on having a leader that is well differentiated, or a leader, we're going to say today, with a non-anxious presence. Say non-anxious presence. Becoming people with a non-anxious presence is the word I feel that the Lord gave me for, for this year. Um, as we can battle so much with anxiety, and when we start a year, we're like, goals. And maybe you're in one of two camps. You're like, Goals, achieving, progress, and you dream board, which is not bad, but you could be triggered like I am sometimes of performing and auditioning for people's approval and having to approve, and then you're like, on the other hand, the Bible says, it is finished. 
It's finished. Amen? Yeah. I no longer have to audition for people's approval. Nothing I can do or achieve will accomplish any more love that God has for me. So a shift in thought would be like, what if we move through the year? What would God want for our life? What would be a goal for God to have in our life? And usually that goal is not for ourself, but he wants to use us to be a blessing to other people as we begin to learn how to live on mission in the world and becoming a non-anxious presence in our community, in our family, in our school classroom, in our workplace is really the answer to a lot of the chaos and fear that's going on in this world. <clears throat> but before we begin today, let's just, um, we already began, but let's just take like a 30 seconds just to pray and calm our hearts, to forget stuff and just focus and receive what the Holy Spirit has for us because he's the ultimate teacher. Amen. Lord, thank you. Whew. Thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you that we maybe be, we're, we're new, we're looking for a community, we're looking for answers, we're looking just to calm, um, peace, and Lord, I pray that you just speak to us through your word, we could receive, that you would teach us something that maybe we never saw before, and we would hear one thing from you that would um, kind of shift our hearts for the rest of the year, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so... Failure to Nerve, this is a book, you don't have to read it, it's kind of dense. You can go on the Holy Google and find the summaries, which I did. I summarized it, and there's other book, Generations to Generations. But basically, um, Edwin Friedman in 97, and we see a lot of it resurfacing now, he said that the West, or America, the West, where the West is built around the myth of progress. So the myth of progress, right? I say we have a myth of being in control. We really only control about 50% of our life. Oh my gosh. The myth of progress. And as we see America and the West, we are crushing it. Technology, right? In our technolo technological advancements. Can't even say the word. That's how much we're crushing it. Because it moves every six months, right? I only got an iPhone 6 and I'm out of date. I didn't know. Um, economically, we see we're doing really well, we're living longer in the West, and we think, man, we are crushing over everybody. But what Edmund Friedman was saying is that really the West is regressing emotionally and relationally. We have the breakdown of families and divorce. We have like gender dysphoria. We have a lot of confusion, a lot of separation, a lot of fear of commitment. And he said, basically, the West is coming off its rails. So he listed um, like five steps or like a vicious cycle, maybe five ingredients that causes this kind of culture of anxiousness and a culture where relationships are just regressing. And then we want to look at the answer to this problem. And this, I'm going to go over this really quickly. I kind of summarize it, and you might think, I don't need Edwin Friedman to tell me this. I kind of already know this about the West, right? But here, here goes. So on your notes, um, part one, number one is reactivity. So we react to external events internally with anger or rage, anxiety, and worry. And then we know, as you know, as we teach our kids, the news thrives on this emotions and they you post stories 
thriving on it, pushing this, even making this stuff up just to get more hits, which ultimately somebody else is getting rich, right, off the expense of our emotions and reactivity. Again, you're like, I don't need more. I don't need the book to tell me that. You maybe don't, but you know this, but it's good to pay attention to. Number two, we have a hurting instinct because we are wired relationally. God made us relationally beings in our DNA. When someone smiles, we smile, and we tend to go with the crowd, and we are easily devolve into the, the emotions of our surroundings and our community, and that makes sense. So really quickly, he lists a little bit more, but <clears throat> I don't want to have to blow your guys' brains on right off, you know, like, wow, that's amazing. Here's summary, right? PG version. Blame displacement, number three. Instead of examining the causes, we focus on the symptoms rather than seeing them part of the bigger picture. So we retreat to the victim status, uh, becomes a cultural paralysis, sets in, and the fear of offending sets in and creates this gridlock, which really prevents renewal. You're like, amen, I see this, the victim mentality, fear of offending, which really prevents solutions. Four, would you be? Number four is a quick fix mentality. Because we're used to getting what we want, right? We want it right now, same day of delivery, you know, over December, you're like, I can't have it here tomorrow, but forget it. <laughs> We're so used to having things fixed. And he sees this in the, the younger generations. No offense to younger generations. The Generation Z, probably 21 through 30, has a, typically a lower threshold of pain, which keeps you from what the Bible says is perseverance. Right? Perseverance is endurance inspired by hope in Jesus. Instead, we look for the silver bullet the quick and easy solutions for long-term complex problems and our levels of emotional resilience is at a low point throughout, throughout. Okay, so not a dig on anybody who's under 30, but we see that just in general. The silver bullet, quick fix, which leads to number five, and I'll unpack this word, he says, leads to lack of well-differentiated leadership. A word we don't really use, can barely say it, differentiated leadership and practicing that at home. This is a leader, a person with a clear boundary between what is me and what is you. What is me and what is going around my circumstances. And to quote Edwin, he says, in Friedman's extensive experience, the crucial factor that distinguishes families that flourish through crisis and those who failed was the presence of a well-differentiated leader which we'll say is a non-anxious presence. So if you're not a well-differentiated leader, it's hard to walk into a room without being sucked into the emotions of those people, their anger and frustrations, anxiety, and be okay with feelings and know I can hold that. And I learned this from someone on our prayer team. She said, it's, when people walk into Aloha, I really feel like we want them to know you can share with us what's going on, and we're okay with it, and we can hold that and not get sucked into it and try to fix you or get caught up in it and be like, I hear what you're saying, and a well-differentiated leader, a non-anxious presence, we're going to learn to become that, which you want to offer peace and wisdom and help, love, and compassion. Amen? He says, the only way to stop this cycle 
is what he said is to inject into the middle of it, into the middle of a family, maybe your family, as you travel to be with family, you're like, wow, I need to be a non-anxious presence in this moment. Or in your work environment, in your classroom, maybe if you're an employer or employee or a mom or dad or grandparent or in a church, as a church leader, a well-differentiated leader, <clears throat> somebody who is calm, right, and at peace with God. So here's what he says. We want to become well-differentiated leaders. We're going to make t-shirts. Just kidding. Just non-anxious present. Would you agree? Was that something? I feel this is a word for Aloha Church as we've been learning to slow down so we can be present with people and be interrupted, but then be calm and go out into our communities that are very chaotic right now and the world is confused and raging and it's just like gnarly out there, right? We can be anxious. Same if you're in the big waves, right? You got to be calm. Sorry, a lot of surf references, right? There's a t-shirt surfed on it. There's been waves all week. I'm like fired up, right? Anyway, got the board in the car, Cody, right? We're going to black. Just kidding. Let's look at the life of Jesus, amen? Part two, life of Jesus. Like, get to the Jesus stuff, right? I thought it was a church. Let's preach. Let's look at the word. Matthew 14, similar story to what Phoebe read, which if you were in that culture, you would have read all of Matthew. It's an oral society, so we've been reading the whole thing. You would have picked up on the repetitions that were read and what's done. So we're going to go back to that verse, but hold that thought what Phoebe read. Matthew 14 says this up here. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples. Say, made the disciples. So he made them. So he had a plan, right? Because he knew what was going to happen. So Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, so you see Jesus intentionally dismissing the crowd, dismissing the disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He got alone. Then it says, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, so in this time zone, there's like four watches of the night. This would have been like the, in the third watch, which would have been about nine hours. These guys were out on the boat getting railed by storm and wind, okay? So they were tired and exhausted, and we see they're going to be scared. <clears throat> Jesus wasn't with them. Then Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Say terrified. It's a ghost. Oh, my goodness. It's a ghost, they said. And they were freaked out and scared. And they cried out in fear. They were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. When I used to read this and be like, these guys are fishermen. That's some soft fishermen. They got to pull that salty crew card, right? Come on, guys. They're on a boat, dude. It's a storm. They were, this is the Sea of Galilee, but in that day, they saw, like, they believed that all the, the dead souls would go into the sea and would haunt people at night. So they were, like, pooping their pants. And they see a ghost. They're like, 
freaked out. They're delusional, okay? They're, they're afraid and scared, and Jesus comes walking out. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. That word, that term, it is I, is familiar to I am that I am in the Old Testament. It is I. I am that I am. Here I am. I am everything. Alpha, Omega, beginning and end, creator, God, King of kings, Lord of lords. It is I. And he tells them, don't be afraid. He gives them a command. Don't be afraid. Keep reading. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the, on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But he saw the wind. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Right? It's kind of like, I think that's how Jesus would say it. You have little faith. Like, come on, buddy. Not like, you, you little faith. You stupid, right? You have little faith. Like, I got you. He said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed to the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So as we know, in Christian circles, storm is a hard time in life, right? We think storm, hard time. And this story, Matthew 14, is deja vu to what Phoebe read in Matthew 7. And here's the differences of these two stories, which they would have connected the, the dots. In the first story and the second story, there's a storm, and they were all afraid. In the first story, Jesus was where? In the boat, sleeping. He was with them, sleeping. In the second story, where was Jesus? He was nowhere to be found, right? Nowhere to be found. He was out of the boat, and he knew this. In the first story, right, he said, why, why are you afraid? In the second story, he says what? Do not be afraid. So we know, maybe the insight is like, we can't just wake up one day and be like, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to have anxiousness. I'm going to just get over it. I'm going to suck it up. Here I go. Right? We, that's not how it happens. And this is not how the disciples had happened. They became the kind of people through Jesus, walking with Jesus, that became non-anxious. We want to become the kind of people that we're not afraid Inner healing starts when we're no longer afraid of things. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? I am here. Amen? So we want to become the kind of people. So if we look at the life of Jesus, kind of overarching principles that we um, try to move and adopt at Aloha Church, there's kind of four principles we look at Jesus' life that we're going to give you guys here today you can take away on your own. Number one is slow down. I put in my notes sometimes, slow down when I talk, because I talk fast. I have to discipline all my kids really fast. I was a youth pastor. You only have, but slow down. Drink water. A great theologian, Dallas Willard, was asked to describe Jesus in one word, and he said, relaxed. Jesus was relaxed. Jesus can walk. He walked. He went slow so he can walk up to people and talk with you. Jesus' pace of life was much slower than our pace of life. We're so busy, 
and hurried and running and racing, we, it's, we go really, really fast. So Jesus, someone described Jesus as the three-mile-an-hour God. That's how fast you walk, right? Three miles an hour, okay? <clears throat> My son, Duke, always gets the speedometer and rate, watches how fast he runs. It's funny. It's hilarious. He goes real fast. C.S. Lewis says, how you respond to interruptions is who you really are. When we're going slow through life in our spirituality, how you respond to interruptions shows who you really are. So oftentimes we plan and make progress and plans to like do good things, maybe like religious things or moral things or crush goals and you're attacking. But when you're interrupted, whoo, what comes out of you, right? You come off the rails, that shows who you really are. And if you're a parent, you know you're being trained because if you're a parent, you're interrupted like all the time. For reals. We have like seven ladies who are giving birth right now. We're like, oh, you are, your life is, you, you, you know, parents, right? You, it's like, you, they don't, kids do not care if you're sleeping in or you're sick, you're talking to somebody, they just interrupt you. And I believe it's kind of training. Parents with kids, it trains us when the kids are gone to know, slow down, because life is about a lot of interruptions. It doesn't always go the way you want to go. If you don't have kids and you're in that, me and Tristan, we dated for three years, we're, we're married for six years, we're like, that. we're still single, we thought, you know, like nine years. We do whatever we want. We chose when we were interrupted. Well, we were interrupted, we did a good, same. Not a knock if you don't have kids, right? The same. I'm just making a point. Make sense? And I thought when Jesus said, let the little children come, I don't know how many times a brother said it in the Bible. I think he only said it once. He's like, let the little children come. Yeah, and then he's like, hey, hey, hey. He's like, oh, my, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, man. Put them in children ministry. I don't know. I'm just kidding. He, I don't see repetitive him keep saying, let them come. Let them come. But these kids interrupt me. I don't know. I may be reading into it, not theologian, but just making a point. God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Amen? He is love. He walks slowly with us. Love has a speed. It's a different kind of speed than we all run at. Number two, it's kind of a, it's, a, it's number two, but it's really like five, five things. Sabbath and rest. Jesus practiced um, retreating, right? And returning to ministry. Even if ministry was hot and ministry was on fire and the story where everyone's being healed, like everyone's healing and Jesus is being healed, then he goes off like, Jesus, where, where are you going, Jesus? There's a line of people that want to be fed. They want to be healed. And Jesus said, no, nah, it's time for me to go. He probably made a lot of people angry. Imagine that if you like 100 people and you like have your a person that could be healed or you could be healed and Jesus takes off. You're sending somebody an email right there. You're mad. He's supposed to be here for us. Where's he at? Jesus knew his mission wasn't to develop a great healing ministry, right, or to be a celebrity person. He came to die on a cross, amen, because he had compassion and because he walked slowly. He was interrupted, but he was able to re retreat and pray, spend time with his father, and then he came back to do ministry. Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and what? Prayed. He prayed. 
It doesn't say what kind of prayer Jesus prayed, but we could only think, kind of, we kind of have maybe two camps of prayer. We have the supplication prayer where we ask God for stuff. Jesus, I need this. I need prayer. I need my finances. I need my car to work. I need to get, I need, 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 right? Or there's contemplative prayer. Just thinking and experiencing the presence of Jesus. It's not asking for things. I think Trisha gave a great sermon one time where you were outside on the patio just not, remember that? You didn't, you just sat there with Jesus. And I was like, what's she doing out there? <laughs> Don't bother your mom. Jesus with Jesus. And I love that, slowing down. Something Trish and I have been practicing as we're getting older, retreating, spending time with Jesus, walking and listening to God. And combining it with supplication, Lord, please, we need this. Please show up in our life. So contemplative prayer, resting in his presence, supplication, Lord, asking Jesus for stuff. That's the prayer I like to do, right? <laughs> Rest prepares us for spiritual warfare, okay? Resting in Jesus prepares us for spiritual warfare. Gordon McDonald wrote a book. Ordering Your Private World, great pastor. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Highly recommended read this year. Ordering Your Private World said this. Jesus knew his limits. Strange as it may seem, he knew what we conveniently forget. Time must be properly budgeted for the gathering of inner strength and resolve in order to compensate for one's weaknesses when spiritual warfare begins. How well we rest. What is that? I wrote this down so I don't forget. How well we rest determines how well we work and how victorious we are in spiritual warfare. John Mark Comer, been loving John Mark Comer. Been like, he's like the new Dallas Willard kind of guy, right? He said, it is very hard to tempt emotionally healthy, happy, well-rested people. It is very hard to tempt well-rested, contemplative, emotionally healthy, non-anxious people. It's very easy to tempt exhausted, burnt-out, workaholic, emotionally unhealthy, anxious people. Consider how well you're resting. This is not to say a vacation life or like a chill, relax, I want any worries. This is resting in Jesus. A Sabbath rest is with God, right? Like, and we, do, we rest in different ways. But spending time with Jesus resting will help you stand against the spiritual battles. The enemy is always working to steal, kill, and destroy, as we say. That's what he promises to do. He's working overtime. He doesn't care. And we know that Jesus come to promise us full life. And full life doesn't mean a more busy life, more religious life. It's more of him in your life. Third thing, we look at the life of Jesus, is kononia, which is fellowship. Fancy Greek word for fellowship. What we're doing through stay a while in your community, 
that's like organized time. But fellowship is not just hanging out in the church foyer, right? It's more than just eating together. Fellowship is intentional, 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 I have a hard time with words, intentional friendships centered around Jesus. You're intentionally hanging out with people. We hang out with a lot of people. Jesus hung out with a lot of people, but he had fellowship with a few people, right? He said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And who he's talking to? His, his boys, right? It was like Peter, James, and John. Fellowship, koinonia, it means shared life together. And we see fellowship in three ways. We serve together. It's good. We, 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 we eat together. We serve. We share a life. And then another thing is we suffer together. It's hard to go through your own sufferings, but as we've been, we will talk about is that when you're suffering in relational, maybe with your marriage or with your kids or in life, and you begin to minister to other people who are suffering, hmm, that's healing. That's what kononia is. This is like the heartbeat of aloha. We slow down. Aloha means face-to-face, -face, right? Aloha is breath, right? Face-to-face. -face. We're present. You have your stuff going on. No need to perform. No need to pretend. I'm going to be non-anxious presence. We can share victories together. We can serve together. Some of us can surf together. And we can suffer together. There I go again, another surfing thing. This is what, uh, four, being a well-differentiated leader. There's that word again. You've got to spell it right. Another word might be freedom. <laughs> well-differentiated means free at emotional level from your life to go a certain way to be happy. This is big. This is big as we so want progress in the West. We come to San Diego. We entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs. We're starting a family, starting businesses. We're crushing it. We're going to sell. Always be selling, right? Like some, always be closing. Is that an ABC? I don't know what it is. So always be closing. ABC is how we're going to do it. We've got goals. We're going to crush it. i got a dream board. And we're so focused and driven, sometimes we miss, completely miss. I have no time for interruptions because i got goals. Boom. Oh, my goodness. That triggers me a lot. Gives me anxiety. Free at emotional level from your life to go a certain way to be happy. This in the Bible is called yieldedness. Come what may, good, bad, ugly, interruption, complete, whatever, I'm going to be okay because Jesus is okay. Make sense? We're not rolling over. Jesus doesn't say roll over. Jesus didn't say nothing bad in your life's going to happen. He was going to the cross. Nothing bad is going to happen. Don't worry. I have power over life and death. What happened to all the disciples? They were tortured. Except for John, he was time out on the island of, right? This is being free from the myth of control. Some of us, when we control others, we manipulate others, we roll over them, and we push people away. When I learned this. A fearful leader is a controlling leader, okay? When there's control in any system, a church system, a family system, a team, a fearful leader 
is a controlling leader. Run over people. Use people because they're afraid. We want to have, we're not going to control people, manipulate people, because we want to operate in love. When love regresses, right, there's fear. If it's not loving, we're not going to do it. Aloha is love. It's a value. Love people. Slow down. Come what may. I want to end with this verse that I bring the prayer team up. I have a lot more to go here. It's okay. You guys good? It's the first of the year. We've been gone for two weeks. I got a lot of stuff. Let's give you two sermons. I got to make up for it. Okay. I see you guys taking notes. No one's sleeping. Good. Hold on. Revelation 1.18. This is a good verse. I like this verse. Jesus says this. I usually don't quote Revelation a lot, so pay attention. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Amen. Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. If we don't have to fear death or hell, what do we have to fear? Is this public speaking, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> we fear God. Fear, holy, reverent of God. And no matter what happens, and these disciples end up dying. Jesus says, I have you. I hold the keys to death and life itself. You're afraid of a storm, and I'm here? Are you kidding me? Right? That was the disciples. So if we have anxiousness and a fear in a storm, it's okay. Like, don't compare yourself to disciples or anybody else, but like, no, we're broken, and it's okay. Two ways to handle our fears and anxiety. Joel loved this when I showed this to him. He said, number one, just fix all your problems. <laughs> They're all fixed. And if we fix all the problems... There's some deep issues, some deep problems that won't be fixed, right? And we have to be okay with that, which is number two. Be okay with your problems. Do what you can. Make your plans. You know, solve and prepare. But there's some things you won't be able to solve and won't be able to fix, and we're going to be okay with it. Here's what this guy says. He's a Spanish philosopher, Ignatius of Loyola found a quote to impress you. We should not fix our desires on health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or short one. For everything has the potential, I love this part, for everything has the potential of calling forth in us a more loving response to our life forever with God. Our only desire and our one choice should be this. I want and choose what better leads to God's deepening life in me. Is that our prayer? I want and choose what better leads to God's deepening life in me. This freedom leads to love. Amen? You guys can come up. So this is my prayer as I've kind of hold the both end of goals, crushing, and slowing my life down. I'll be turning 50 this year, and I've learned, I learned like with having four kids, it's fearful as three teenagers, one six-year-old, as they want freedom, and then they're gone, and I'm like, I panic a little bit. One of our kids right now has a surgery coming up, very severe surgery-induced ear. The disease is eating a bone into his brain. And me and Trish went and we're like, there's nothing we can do. 
We didn't miss it. We weren't poor parents. And I'm like, I should have done something. I should have taken him in. He had an earache. I was like, shut up. You don't miss his problem. He's loud. But we're scary. And me and Trish were scared. And we're holding each other's hands. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's nothing I can do. Come what may, Lord, please, God. And it's just scary as a parent. And we've learned that God is going to get us through this. And he's going to be okay. And, and the doctor said, uh, you know, we're gonna, hearing, his hearing is secondary on my list. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's going to be like half muscle. Okay, most of us guys, that's our excuse, right? I can't hear you, honey. Great. Well, that's a minor, that's going to be a minor thing. There's other things that Trisha and I have gone through this past year that could potentially throw us off the rails. And then we'll be at each other because we're like, oh, spiritual warfare. So me and Trisha have learned to rest. We thank you so much for uh, allowing us as a church to take two weeks off. It was amazing. I'm not sure if it'll get that next year, but we took two weeks off of Sunday services. And I talked to some of my friends in ministry, and they're like, they seem so tired. And I was like, oh, Lord, please, let's have them over for dinner. Let's have them rest because they're, I don't, it's just, life is fast, but we need to rest so you can be your best with people. Amen? Let's rest. Let's take some time. I love you guys. We're going to pray to be non-anxious people. If you're feeling anxious, we have a prayer team team for you. We have worship. We're going to bask in worship. How beautiful was hearing Michael and Kaylee. Welcome, Kaylee. She just joined our, prayer t- or our worship team. Oh my gosh, beautiful voice, right? Amazing. We're going to take communion. Remember what Jesus did for us. As you come up and take communion, take the, it's a little Hawaiian roll. <laughs> Dip it in the juice, which represents his blood and body, and know that Jesus died on the cross for you. He walks slowly because he loves you. Amen? And then we go outside and eat together. Relax. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for walking with me. Lord, I've come so far from being anxious and angry, wanting to control people, make it happen, not being just busybody. So we all come from different places. We start from different places. Lord, I pray that at, the, at your, the foot of the cross, we'd be at the same place. There are some people out here who have a lot of storms in your life, and we don't want to dis- d- diminish that and say, just relax, it's not a problem. But we are, some people going through some heavy stuff. Let's suffer with them. Let's hold that. Let's get to know people as we be anxious and non-anxious together. Thank you for the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's what you designed for us as we begin to practice the way of Jesus, being with Jesus so we can become more like Jesus and we can do what Jesus did. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha. Aloha.